Oh, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 89, Alexander McGillney of My Little Hockey Show, where once a week I go through all of the major news and what's happening in the NHL, mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames. Those are my two favorite teams, but I'll be talking about all 32 teams on this podcast and what do we have on tap for today? Well, quite a bit. We got to talk about the Austin Matthews Goal scoring just on fire. He is out of control. Bertuzzi is alive. Arizona is damn near dead. Their losing streak has hit astronomical numbers. New York Rangers are killing it. Winnipeg's attendance is still a problem. And is there a potential superstar getting traded out of Vancouver? So let's talk about it. Let's start off with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Austin Matthews hits 50 goals. He does it in 54 games. And I guaranteed it last week. He was going into Arizona. He was scoring number 50. He throws in 51 because why not? And yeah, it was pretty much the most guaranteed thing that was ever going to happen. Got it out of the way really early in that game too, from what I remember. And fuck yeah. So Austin Matthews, man, he continues his dominance of goal scoring this season and yeah his pace continues to be in that 70 goal area is he going to hit that I mean shit the way that he's playing right now I mean maybe more than likely I'm just at this point I just want him to surpass the 65 that would make me very happy anything after that is just a bonus and I'm very happy about that but Austin Matthews going off right now and a little bit of controversy over this last week with Steve Dangle in the podcast because Colorado played Toronto uh, an older clip of Steve's came up into the conversation and basically the quote goes something like this is Austin Matthews in the same echelon as a McKinnon or McDavid and Dangle basically said it's not even fucking close which you know I think Matthews is in that tier of player, but not because of the same reasons that McKinnon and McDavid are in there. I mean, Matthews obviously is in that level, kind of on a level of his own when it comes to goal scoring. But in terms of like sheer dominance on the ice, his speed and aggressiveness on the ice is not as alarming as McDavid and especially McKinnon. Like, I say this all the time. McKinnon is maybe the most noticeable player on the ice I've ever seen in me watching hockey. I know exactly who that is when it's... No one plays in my eyes the way that McKinnon does. So explosive, so fast, so scary to watch. There's, There's not many players that generate fear from my couch watching a hockey game like Nathan McKinnon does. Kucherov is a close second, but he is not an explosive, fast player like McKinnon is he's just very very talented and yeah you know Steve catching a little bit of heat for saying that Matthews isn't in that echelon I still think like McKinnon and McDavid are better players than than uh, Matthews I don't think that's really up for argument but I, I would put Matthews in that tier of player he's he's on a different level uh, to everybody else at least in terms of goal scoring I think his defensive game has gotten a lot better it's good defense or um, face-offs he's really good he's so creative and dominant he can create or he can score goals in areas that yeah not a lot of people are scoring goals he's dangerous like behind the net like it's cra- the guy can score from anywhere and you can see it with goalies man they they 
they have so much trouble reading what Matthews is going to do. Like it is so hard. And on top of that, you know, he's got Nylander, Tavares, Marner on the team as well. All those guys can score goals. Even Marner, Marner can score goals. He doesn't, you know, usually like to, but yeah, it's it must be a nightmare to play the Toronto Maple Leafs as a goaltender with Austin Matthews out there. Can't be freaking easy. And speaking of the Toronto Maple Leafs as a whole, as a team, they are on fire right now. Now, I know they lost the other game last night to Vegas. That's, you know, that's just how it is. I didn't get to watch a lot of that game because blackouts and all that crap. So, yeah, don't get to watch a whole lot of that one. From what I saw of it, it just looked like Vegas was the better team that night. But didn't get a lot of viewing of that. But prior to that loss, the Leafs were on a seven-game winning streak, which has not happened since 2004, like 20 years ago or something like that. I had the picture tweeted to me uh, three different times of the score sheet from the the game the last time the Leafs won seven games in a row. You got like Matt Stajan on there, Aki Berg, Brian McCabe, Thomas Caberle, Matt Sundin, Gary Roberts, all those guys from way back in the day. The last time they were semi-relevant in a playoff run, they went to the second round. But yeah, so yeah, it's been a very long time since the Leafs have had a seven-game winning streak, which is a little bit shocking and and not so shocking if you're a Leaf fan because, you know, they just don't... At some point, like, the pressure's going to get to them. They're just going to lose. They don't go on big winning streaks that often. It's not really a thing that happens here in Toronto. But, yeah, they played fucking really good during that seven-game streak. Five, what was it, five of those games? They didn't have Morgan Riley in the lineup. And yeah, now they're they're winning with Morgan in the lineup except for last night. And again, just squashing those thoughts that Morgan Riley is the problem on the team. That's absolutely just not true at all. It's it's easy to say that well, looking out and you're just looking at the situation like, oh, this guy's out of the lineup. They're winning. When he's in, they're winning slightly less. But no, Morgan Riley is not the problem. And honestly, right now, the one of the main reasons why the Leafs were winning during that seven-game streak was that the depth scoring finally started to come alive. It wasn't all that that big four scoring all the goals. It wasn't just Matthews and Willie and Marner. Finally, we're getting goal scoring from Domi. We're getting it from Nyes. You're getting it from McMahon. You're getting it from who the hell else is down there right now scoring goals. His name, his name, oh, Bertuzzi. Oh, yeah, that Bertuzzi guy that just happened to score a hat trick on his birthday. He put in another goal in the Vegas game last night. So, hey, this could be the start of Bertuzzi starting to wake up, find that game that he maybe had a little bit there in Boston. For me, it's I'm more worried. I just, I'm more focused on Bertuzzi in the playoffs. That's what he's here for. He is a playoff guy. So if he's underperforming slightly or even a lot in the regular season, I'm not too, too worried about it. It's if he, if he doesn't perform in the playoffs, then yeah, it's going to be a big problem and a disaster. And right now with Bertuzzi scoring the hat trick, looks like his confidence is back. He went, what, 15 plus games without scoring a goal. And yeah, it's starting to look like the ball is rolling. You can really see the weight lifted off of his his shoulders during that game. Scoring a hat trick on his birthday, which apparently just does not happen very often, which I find kind of strange, but all right, it doesn't matter. I'll take it. I will take a Bertuzzi hat trick any day. It doesn't have to be just on his birthdays. You know, you can pull those out at any time you would like to, Todd. That were, wait, is that his name? Todd Bertuzzi? No. 
Tyler, there it is, there it is, Tyler, Tyler Bertuzzi, Tyler, get it done, but yeah, he is getting it done right now, and that is a great sign for the Leafs, that's very, very good, they're getting a little bit healthier on the blue line, and yeah, man, that, that depth is starting to come through, and that is kind of a glaring issue when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, now a little bit less so, is there, is there a need now to add in the forward group, I mean, if you can add, if you can, I mean, absolutely, if you want to have a playoff run, you're going to need that depth, and without Yarncroak in the lineup right now, he should be coming back fairly soon. And that's kind of been the talking point with this bottom six group is that none of the guys outside of, I think, just the one, or there's probably more of them now, only had had 10 goals. So there was not a lot of depth uh, goal scoring happening, but now it's starting to click. And that is just fantastic. Bobby McMahon just killing it right now I'm still surprised he is not getting much more in terms of ice time like his ice time has consistently been around 11 to 13 minutes not very much but I don't know maybe he's the type of player similar to like a Daniel Sprong where he doesn't play a lot of minutes but he's always getting a point he's just being utilized at a very very good way so I don't know you know Sheldon Keefe isn't necessarily the most advanced coach like that but maybe that's what's happening I personally would like to see Bobby McMahon get a little bit more time Robertson's been looking really good uh, playing a little bit with John Tavares lately that's been nice I've kind of always liked Max Domi's season the whole year he's just good and fired up and and that little video that he made for Bertuzzi scoring the the birthday singing him singing up scoring a hat trick on his birthday saying him like happy birthday or something that's good man I like I like uh, Domi quite a bit really hope that that guy can stick around and the goaltending's been pretty solid as well. Uh, Samsonov looking pretty good. Uh, you know, other than last night, he did make some pretty nice saves from what I saw. Oh, also Pertuzzi hit 100 career goals. That is great. Marner is on a 10-plus game point streak. I don't know if that is over now. But yeah, Marner as well. I don't haven't been talking much about Marner this season. You know, I'm not his biggest fan. But... Yeah, he's just been kind of quietly killing it, putting up a ton of assists, not many goals, but that that's okay. That's what Marner does. He likes to pass, and he is back on pace to having, he's turned his season around, which was still a good season, but now he's having a more, a very Marner season, looking really good. He's playing good, and Joseph Wall has been recalled, so this is going to be a little bit interesting just to see what the Leafs are going to do with the goalie tandem or trio that we have right at the moment. So is there a possibility that the Leafs maybe trade Martin Jones? Is there a possibility they try and waive him? That one would make me nervous. I think Martin Jones would have a very good potential to get claimed. He's not making any money and he's played decent enough for the Leafs. And his track record last year, we know that he's not like going to make a ton of amazing saves, going to put up a lot of amazing stats, but the dude wins hockey games. So there, there could be interest in Martin Jones. Um, if the Leafs are worried about losing him, I don't know, maybe they try and trade him and, and try and recoup some sort of asset. I think what they're going to end up doing is probably just carrying the three goalies down the stretch possibly. And, and we'll see what happens with wall. There's even a good chance that wall, doesn't come back and play up with the Leafs very much. I think he was on a conditioning stint. Regardless, I'm just happy to see Wall is back. I just 
want to see if he is going to be looking the same that he was prior to the injury prior to the injury he looked like this guy could be the answer for the Toronto Maple Leafs in net he looked very calm and collective I really really like the way that Joseph Wall was playing in net much more calm than Samsonov was and yeah then he got injured in that whole situation so hopefully I mean they they really took their time with Wall it seemed like when it first happened, they're like, yeah, it's like a week to week. It, it ended up being month to month. So yeah, they really, really took their time. And hopefully that pays off. I, I hope he comes back and looks amazing because the Leafs are going to need that. Their, their goaltending is still in question. Yes, Samsonov has been one of the better goalies in the new year, but... We know how fast that guy can lose his confidence. So if he just if he has a bad week before the playoffs, like ooh, that 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 would make me very nervous heading into a playoff matchup, which at this moment looks like the Leafs are going to be playing the Boston Bruins again. Yay! Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so that's enough with the Leaf talk. I think for right now, uh, playing well, playing really good. Let's just keep that up right now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now on the glaring. Uh, other side of, of, of hockey, we have the Arizona Coyotes who are on a just a tear of losing games right now. It is it is alarming how many games they have lost in a row. It is over 10. I think we're hitting 13 straight games right now that they have lost. It is like, whoa, like where did this come from? I thought they were doing pretty well. And then they started losing and they just can't stop losing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 straight losses for the Arizona Coyotes. And up next, they have the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, as we just discussed, have been playing pretty fucking well and uh, maybe want to get some revenge on a team after losing like they did to Vegas. Arizona may be in for their 14th straight loss. We'll see, or in very Leaf fashion, the Leafs could lose to Arizona, ending their massive losing streak. But what the fucking fuck is going on with Arizona, man? Like, I thought we were making a little bit of progress this year. They were having a semi-healthy season, like Schmaltz hasn't been down this year, and it was looking pretty good. Lawson Krause was scoring. What the hell? Kerfoot was putting up points at, at periods, like a lot of points at periods, but like, wow, this is... This has completely sunk their season. I mean, they weren't really in a playoff race or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, you lose 13 straight games, your season is fucking Dunyan rings, and especially the positioning that Arizona was in. But, like... Wow, man, this is a an extremely huge drop-off, and I think it looks like uh, the goal scoring has just kind of stopped right here. They're letting in a lot of goals. Let's just take a look at some of these losses here. They're, I'm seeing a lot of goals going up on the board here in these losses. You got 6-6, six, 3-3, six, three, three, five. Five three five four six six four four. So yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of goals going in, and I'm seeing a lot of ones and twos here on their side. So if you're not scoring a lot and you're letting in a lot of goals, yeah, that is going to lead to a lot of losing. And their their penalty kills not good, their power play is not that good, and that's that's very unfortunate. Now there's some names on this team that are very interesting to me, especially Lawson Kraus. Now Lawson Kraus, oh man, he is. Kind of the unknown Tom Wilson type, uh, 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 bargain bin Kachuk type player. He's huge. He can hit. He can score. He can do a little bit of everything. And I'm just curious now to see what Arizona is going to do heading into this um, into this trade deadline. 
looking at their cap friendly page i mean they they have some unrestricted free agents that that could potentially move you're looking at like a jason zucker he's got one year left 32 years old a winger he's making 5.3 arizona could easily retain half that they got like 12 million dollars to play with so they could potentially move a jason zucker lawson kraus now that is something that would be He's 26 years old. He's got four years or three more years left after this at 4.3. I think that's a phenomenal contract. I would love this player on the Leafs, but might be a little bit too rich. I mean, honestly, if you could like one for one, Tyler, like Bertuzzi for Lawson Kraus and, and something else on the Leafs side, like add in some sort of pick, I would do that in a fucking heartbeat. Like this guy's got a nice cap hit for a few years and yeah he's a big strong winger that I think the Leafs would love to add into their into their into their wings or whatever the fuck Jason Zucker probably wouldn't be a bad addition either and then their defense their defense is very interesting because they have nobody signed after this season so you got Matt Dumba Joshua Brown Troy Stetcher and Travis Dermott they're all unrestricted free agents after this season Matt Dumba could maybe potentially bring in some interest. $3.9 million is a little bit hefty, but he's a right-handed shot defenseman. So that's really interesting. Joshua Brown and Troy Stetcher, also right-handed defensemen. Now, I don't think Stetcher or Brown are going to have that much interest or even bring back all that much, but, but they're there as well. And you have the goaltenders. Uh, Carl Vemelka, I don't think he's really got a whole lot of interest right now. He's not played very well. He's got another year left on a $2.725 million contract. And then Connor Ingram, at this point, I don't think uh, Arizona's really looking to move that guy. If he continues to play the way that he's doing on a $1.95 million contract, you're going to want to keep that guy around, you would think. But yeah, uh, Arizona is going to be an interesting team to see what they're going to do. Obviously, they have some young pieces on this team. You got Dylan Gunther, you got Logan Cooley, you got some of the other young guys that they drafted that haven't made it into the lineup yet, and they have a fuckload of draft picks. They got they got all their picks. They got three second rounds in the twenty four draft. They got three third rounders in 24 they got four second rounders in 25 with two third rounders three second rounders in 2026 so like yeah they they got a lot of draft picks like i said that's just it's just a very interesting team i'm not hearing a whole lot of anything around the arizona coyotes but uh i'm interested in that and uh just please don't like you know don't don't beat the Leafs don't do that to me I don't, I don't want that shit I don't want I don't want the Leafs to to you know set you off on, on a on a nice winning streak here don't do it to the Leafs Hopefully the Leafs come back and, and beat you down just one more time and then you guys can start winning again but yeah what do you guys think the Arizona Coyotes are going to do in the trade deadline I don't know if that it like when you lose 13 games in a row, you kind of have to be sellers at this point. But how hardcore are you going to be selling? Like, there's there's assets on the team, but you also got to have someone playing for you next year. So, we'll see what's going to happen with the Arizona Coyotes and what the hell is going on with New Jersey right now. So, their struggles continue. They're being a very inconsistent, frustrating team to watch. They're, they're beating good teams one night. They're losing the shitty teams the other night. And... Lindy Ruff. So Lindy Ruff coming out, saying some things, and he's blaming the media for New Jersey's recent struggles, their recent struggles on the power play, and what the hell is that about? A very desperate tactic here by, by Mr. Lindy. 
And I mean, it's kind of crazy to say this, but is Lindy Ruff in trouble again? I mean, is, is his job in trouble? If, if New Jersey misses the playoffs this season, are they going to fire this guy? And is that the right thing to do? So with Lindy's defense is... I have no goaltender this year. What the hell am I supposed to do? You're giving me guys, all three of these goaltenders are playing like trash and dealing with injuries. You lost your best defenseman, Dougie Hamilton, to injury. He's done for the whole year. You you traded off your depth defense. You know, you got rid of uh, Graves and Siegenhaller. I don't know. You got rid of two guys. In hindsight, that's the right move in the long run. It definitely hurt them this year to not have those de- defensemen in there. But, I, you know... It's kind of the it's it's a it was a very tough call. I mean, they wanted a lot of money. Those contracts would have hurt New Jersey in in their future if they like you know maybe they don't end up winning any cups if they make those deals and if they they move on from those guys, make that hard decision, have a rough year. Maybe that leads them down to two, maybe three cups in the future. Who knows? But yeah, obviously it it's not working out this year. Is it too late for the New Jersey Devils? The the Markstrom deal still hasn't happened. Uh, it was on the table, then it was gone because of uh, salary cap retention. They couldn't find a way to make it work, and it still hasn't happened. And at this point, it really looks like it might be too late for New Jersey because, I mean, other teams that are ahead of them, they're looking pretty good. We'll go back over here to the standings and take a look. But I don't know, man. Like, I think it might be the wrong call to get rid of Lindy Ruff if um if they if he didn't have a goalie this year there's there's really not much he can do they're just outside of the, the second wild card right now they have 59 games played 64 points and then Tampa Bay is ahead of them they got 69 points and Detroit is at 72 points and Detroit is on fire right now they're killing it they look absolutely legit right now like i don't think they're going to be giving up one of those wild card spots Tampa they're they're a little all over the map, right? But it's also you know it's also Tampa Bay. They have Kucherov on that team who is fucking slaughtering it. Um, yeah, man, it's looking tough. And then you got Washington Pittsburgh behind them. They're both struggling as well. The Islanders are struggling. Buffalo, like no chance after that. So it's like this little grouping of four here: New Jersey, Washington, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders. I don't like their chances for for any of those four teams right now. I mean. Jersey would have the best chance, but they're they're not playing good right now, and yeah, it really doesn't look good for them. I mean, like they have a couple games in hand on Tampa, but they're five points behind Tampa. Yeah, man, I don't know. Their chances look really rough. Philadelphia is just hanging in there. They're hanging. I mean, they also got sixty nine points. It's it's not easy, man. That's not easy to make up those points. It's it's a tough call, man. It's it's really hard at this point. You know, as even me as a Flames fan, I'd be very, very sad to not see Markstrom get traded. But if I was New Jersey, I, I might wait here. And um, I, you know what? Fuck it. I, if I was New Jersey and if you if if Markstrom's your guy, just bring him in. If you know that's your man, then get him in here now. Get him used to the team. Get him used to the new time zones and all this different travel. If you know you're going to get him. Get them in here now. I, I, that's what I would think. Now, is it is it going to save their season? There's a potential that maybe, like, Markstrom would have to go off. The team as a whole, like, that would have to lift the whole team up and get them going. And they might have to add a defenseman in there as well. Like, I don't know if, you know, just Markstrom alone, like, getting him in there in front of that decor, like, is that going to be enough? I don't know, man. Like, I just don't know. But 
if New Jersey knows they're bringing him in or if they're going to do Gibson, whatever they're going to do, I would do it sooner rather than later just to get them used to what new scenery they're going to be getting into. But if I had to say it right now, I think I think it might the door's probably closed here for New Jersey. They're going to have to go on a crazy run and hope that Tampa Bay falls off. That's all they can really hope for or hope that Philadelphia falls off and, uh, yeah, New Jersey can get in there. It's basically up to them because – Carolina, New York, they're 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 gone. They're they're way past uh, what New Jersey can catch. So, yeah, man, it's gonna be really interesting to see what New Jersey is going to do. Uh, you know, I'd still like them uh, to take on Markstrom. And I guess since we're kind of talking about Calgary and Markstrom, it appears that the Flames are kind of holding up the the trade market. There hasn't been any deals other than the minor one with um, Pittsburgh and. Um, Pittsburgh and who the fuck? Oh, who even cares? It was Alex Nylander for Benstrom? I think it was Columbus and and, and uh, Pittsburgh made a small deal. Not, nothing crazy, but it appears right now Calgary's holding up the market. They got um, pretty much when you look at everyone's trade board, it's it's mostly Calgary guys. It's Hannafin, it's Tanev, and yeah. So, what are these guys going to get? I know Calgary still thinks they're going to get a first rounder for for. Um, for Tanev, I, I don't know if that's in the books, but because uh, a lot of teams have made it very well known uh, that they don't want to spend a first round pick for a rental, which I think is fair. I think that I think a first rounder for a rental is just way too high. That that is very very expensive, and more often than not, not worth it. So I'm happy that the Leafs are holding strong on that. And it looks like Calgary's holding strong too. I'm not really hearing anything different on the trade market. They're being very annoying about it. They're like, oh, we might sign him. We might not. I think that's all just a play to try and increase the trade market and get as much value as they can. Really can't see Calgary hanging on to all these guys. Like maybe Tanev, Tanev, they'll hold on to him if they don't think they're going to get the value that they want. But should be a pretty good package out there for um, for Hannafin uh, once, once it happens. But we're still waiting and Calgary, such a frustrating team right now in terms of winning and losing. They go on a, a four-game winning streak, and then they go on a three-game losing streak, and now they're back again with another four-game winning streak. They take down Edmonton. That was crazy. Like, what a frustrating team. And they continue to hang on in with, with a little bit of playoff hopes. But again, I think that's them more or less playing with the idea that they don't need a full rebuild and that they would they need they just need a retool instead of that full tear it down rebuild, which I'm fine with. I'm I'm okay with it as long as you still have the belief of trading away Markstrom at his peak value and Hannafin, especially if he doesn't, if you're going to lose him for nothing, you got to move him. So move those two guys and I will be happy. And what comes back, it, it sounds like they're going to be wanting money in, money out, roster player back, you know, bring similar to the Kuzmenko trade where they just brought back a player, which is very interesting. And speaking of Kuzmenko, that brings us to the Vancouver Canucks, which are a very, very interesting team right now because they have Elias Pettersson and that dude does not have a contract yet. And this is this is getting interesting right now. So the Vancouver Canucks fan base are starting to panic a little bit. And, you know, management in Vancouver is starting to get a little bit frustrated with Pettersson because Pettersson doesn't want to talk contract extension at all right now. He is He doesn't want to come to the table. He doesn't want to talk just wants to play hockey right now and I mean he has all he has a lot of leverage right now 
But also, Vancouver is not in any danger of losing this player for anything. So there's leverage for both sides. So Pedersen... He has one year on his deal. He can. He's still a restricted free agent after this season. He can get signed to Vancouver for one year. They can qualify him, give him nine, ten million dollars for one year, and then he'll be unrestricted. Then you'll you have the potential to lose him for nothing. So we're not at that point yet, but. I don't think Vancouver fans are very about losing Pettersson. I don't think they want to trade him away. But each day that passes that we don't have anything on this contract, they're not even talking, this relationship seems like it's starting to get strained a little bit. Uh, It's getting closer and closer. The percentages are growing each hour on Pettersson getting traded. And what does a trade like that look like? Like, holy shit. We don't get players of this caliber on the trade block very often. Now, is he on the trade block right now? No, I don't think so. Teams might be calling about this guy and being like, hey, what's what's up? What's going on with Pedersen? You trading him or not? And uh, you know what makes me a little bit more nervous is that Lindholm deal. They brought in Lindholm, I think, for uh, just in case. If Pedersen doesn't resign, they got to move this guy while they have Lindholm there to to get into that top line center spot. Now, obviously, Lindholm is not Pedersen. We know this. Pedersen is one of the best players in the league right now. He's killing it. 100-plus point player. And allegedly, Vancouver has offered Pedersen an eight-year deal, $12 million per season. And Pedersen didn't decline it. He didn't accept it. He's not interested in talking right now. So, um... Could he get more than 12? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, could he get more um, from Vancouver than 12 million? Yes. I think they could squeeze out a little bit more, but I don't think they're going much like, I don't think it's a lot more. Like 12 and a half, 12, 7, 5. Are they going to hit 13? Oh, I don't know, man. You might want to, to try and keep this player. But then the thought of trading him away, you have Lindholm, you have JT Miller, you have Besser. If you if you traded away Pedersen, you're easily looking at like a very qu- like a quality package coming back of at least two good if not great roster players and like a pick at a prospect maybe. I have no idea what a, what a trade of this size would look like. You would have to think the Huberto Kachuk trade, but probably bigger. I would think it would be something comparable to that. And oh man, I, <laughs> that's it's just really wild and. I'm a huge follower of the hockey guy. He's a big Vancouver fan, and he is of the belief now. He's at the 50-50 stage, which is alarming. Like, that's that's scary because uh, not long ago, he was pretty convinced, pretty solidified in the, th- in the fact that Pedersen will re-sign. Why not? Team's playing great right now. You got a great coach. You got, you got great players right now. Everyone's just, everything's coming up Vancouver right now. And maybe that also is making this a little bit more difficult than people expected. Like, I don't think anyone was really expecting Vancouver to be, like, one of the best teams in the league this season. Maybe battling for a playoff spot just outside or just in. But, um, yeah, that definitely would have made the decision a little bit easier. Say, if Vancouver's outside of the playoffs, maybe it would have been an easier decision if they wanted to move him. It was like, okay, we're not going in the direction we want to. This kid is going to bring the sun and the moon back, and maybe we can fix some things with their defense, with depth scoring, stuff like that. Because obviously, you're going to get a lot for Patterson. Where would he go? No clue. I have no idea what team could 
could uh, could send a package back to them and have the cab space and and all that shit. It would be very very interesting um, to see who would even be in contention to acquire Pedersen. But uh, all in all, it would be great for storylines and everything if, if a trade happened. But I would I kind of want Pedersen to stay in Vancouver. It seems like a phenomenal situation for him. <laughs> I love the just. Vancouver and their Swedes, man. They always get these amazing Swedes, the Sedins, Nasland, and like, come on, now you got Pedersen, like, geez. And it would be great to see them go on a really good playoff run this season. And, uh, you know, if Pedersen puts up 30 points in a really good playoff run, oh boy, that might just rack it up to $13.5 million. But uh, is Vancouver crazy enough to offer him that amount of money? We're just going to have to wait and see. And, you know, Vancouver going through a little bit of a slump right now. People talking about, like, oh, they peaked early and they're they're going through, you know, they went through a little bit of a four-game losing streak. I'm not really worried about it. They came back. They beat Boston. That That's always good. That's always going to feel good for the locker room. Beating Boston. Everyone fucking hates them. Yeah. Speaking of everybody hates them, it appears that everybody hates the Vegas Golden Knights right now because they just put Mark Stone on long-term injured reserve, which makes everybody think that they're doing cap shenanigans. Mark Stone's not injured, and they're just freeing up cap space so that they can bring in some fucking superstar at the trade deadline, and they can cheat and win a Stanley Cup. Well, I hate to inform you that you're, you're in fact wrong about all that. Mark Stone is, in fact, injured. He ruptured his spleen, so yeah, he is, in fact, injured. And it's not cheating when the league allows this. You cannot blame the Vegas Golden Knights for doing what they're doing. They're not even doing anything wrong. They're doing exactly what they're allowed to do. And they're not the only team that's doing it. There's tons of teams out there that are doing this. So, no, I don't think Vegas is cheating. Is it very timely and convenient that this is happening right at this exact moment? Absolutely. But... Any other team can do this at well, as well at any moment. I mean, the Leafs can sit there and be like, oh, Austin Matthews, is uh, his wrist is hurt. Like, at any point, a player is probably dealing with some form of injury. And they could just be like, yeah, he's this. He's going off for that amount of time. Boom, we got all this cap space. But do you think that Vegas wants to have Mark Stone out of the lineup for weeks on end? No. Do you think that they want to have Jack, Eidel, Jack Eichel out of their lineup? day after day, missing all these games? No, absolutely not. So, no, I don't believe that Vegas is doing this on purpose. I think they're doing this with purpose. It's uh, it's what needs to be done. You're giving Mark Stone a break. He needs it. He has a ruptured spleen. That, you cannot play with that. Doctors, I, I doctor said so. So there you go. I think Vegas is doing exactly what other teams have done. Tampa's done it. The Leafs have done it. The Leafs did it when they weren't even good. Like, who gives a shit? You shouldn't be mad at Vegas. You should be mad at the NHL for having terrible rules and just being kind of a shitty league all in all. But, you know, that's a conversation and a rant for a different day. We'll move on to... Let's talk about the Winnipeg Jets and their attendance issues. So I feel like we talked about this before on this podcast. And uh, yeah, back then it was concerning, but now it's even more concerning because last time we talked about it, you know, Winnipeg, they were kind of uh, up and down team, a little bit disappointing, uh, didn't have a good run in the playoffs. And then the offseason, it really seemed like the team was uh, on the verge of falling apart. I mean, uh, Mark Shifley 
Hellebuck didn't know what the future with those two guys were going to be. Uh, their captain, Wheeler, demoted, bought out, and he's gone off to New York. He's out of here. And yeah, it really looked like the future was in question. They make the Dubois trade. This guy wanted out. They got him out. They brought in new guys. And all of a sudden, they're winning. They're having a fucking awesome season. Hellebuck is killing it. Shifley's killing it. Kyle Connor's killing it. The team is killing it. As a whole, a very well-constructed team, top to bottom. They got depth. They got good defense and incredible goaltending, not just from Hellebuck, but SWAT is also doing very well in net for them as well. But people are not showing up for Winnipeg games, and that's a problem especially when you're successful. Uh, The last time I can have something comparable to this was when the Ottawa Senators made it to the third round, 2017 or whatever, and the, the building wasn't sold out. And that is a big red flag. Big red flag. Your team is having a awesome, deep, successful playoff run, and you're not selling out the building. So that's a big concern. We're not at that point yet with the Winnipeg Jets. We'll have to wait and see what happens when the playoffs start. I don't think... We're going to have to worry about that. I think the Winnipeg fans are going to show up big for the playoffs. But uh, yeah, right now, they're not selling out the building. And that's a problem for them because Winnipeg is a gate-driven organization right now. They don't have the sponsors that Toronto and New York and Montreal have. So they have to rely on fans and season ticket holders. Season ticket sales are down because they're not offering up very flexible packages. It's like you're going to all the games or none of the games. And yeah, so there's things here that they can fix, start offering up better uh, season ticket packages, offer up these different kind of of packages that that can um, help people come to the games in a more flexible manner. We're also in the middle of a recession, whether you like it or not. Things are more expensive than ever, and people are, are getting less money than ever. So it's rough times out there for a lot of people. Not a lot of people can afford to come out drop a few hundred dollars on a hockey game that you may or may not have a good time with. I don't know. The two times I went to a hockey game, I didn't have a good time, and I spent a fucking shitload of money. And I wasn't happy about it, and I'm never going again unless it's free. So I don't blame people not going out to hockey games. It's stupid expensive. It's it's far. It's cold in Winnipeg. And, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people, I think the mindset is, hey, this team's doing good. Uh, let's save up our money and go to a playoff game. That's where that's where it's at. Like, I would love to go to a Toronto Maple Leaf playoff game and actually experience what a Toronto Maple Leaf atmosphere could actually be like with real fans in there. But I can't afford fifteen hundred dollars for one stupid nosebleed ticket to go see a Leaf playoff game. It's not happening. But uh, with Winnipeg. They even have the owner, he's like walking around the concourse talking to people like, hey, why didn't you re-up your season tickets? And basically they're just like, ah, it's not convenient, it's it's this and that, we don't have money, we don't have time. And yeah, so he's making, the owner's making phone calls, and yeah, they're trying to right this ship, but yeah, it's not good right now, man. They're they're bottom in the league, uh, outside of Arizona in attendance, and they're and they're up there in the standings. So not good. I still don't think like Winnipeg is in any danger of moving yet, but right now, yeah, it, it's not a viable situation for the owner. They're they're not making a lot of money. I I don't think they're making any money. I, I, by the sounds of it, they're probably losing money. That would make the most sense. So it's not good. That's it's just not good. And this is why. You know, it's the the conversation is difficult around another team coming to Canada because you got the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, it was amazing at the beginning when they first came back. They went like 
three or four hundred straight sellouts in a row, just killing it. And then, yeah, once the success starts to leave, then the fans start to leave and the interest starts to leave. And like I said, the recession is definitely a big part of this. Just shit is just way too fucking expensive. I find hockey games are just way too expensive in general. It is insanely expensive. And I just... I just didn't have a good time at it. I can I could think of hundreds of better things to do with that amount of money and I can have so much more fun with it. But uh if you want to go to hockey games, go ahead. I just I didn't find the fun in it, but uh hopefully the Winnipeg fans find the fun, show up for them, especially in the playoffs. I do not want to see an Ottawa Senators situation with the Winnipeg Jets. They're in the second third round or something and you're seeing like gaps of of empty in the crowd. Do not want to see that happening. I don't think it'll happen. That's you white. They're going to be there for the Winnipeg Jets when they get there in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, and a concerning thing we'll just have to keep our eyes on. I don't really know how you can fix that other than having success. But they're having it and it's still not working. So maybe the answer is playoff success. We'll wait and see for when they get to the playoffs. Speaking of playoffs, the New York Rangers are well on their way to a to a playoff spot because they just had themselves a nice 10-game winning streak, which is now over thanks to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Way to go, but also way to go, New York, on that uh, 10-game winning streak. I'm seeing um, some pretty freaking impressive looking games here the only one well there's two here that stand out is like but you got a seven to four win over the Habs it's like whoa and then a six to five win over the Islanders that was that crazy outdoor game where the Rangers came back and won it Uh, but then they came back after that crazy game allowing a lot of goals they came back with three straight one goal performances against and three more wins so yeah man the Rangers we talked about them uh a while back as being, uh, they were definitely struggling throughout January, but it seems like the lulls are over. They've dominated February. They barely lost a game in February. That that was their first loss, and there's only one more game left in February. They won all their games in February. So yeah, Rangers are absolutely killing it. That conversation around peaking too early is always going to be out there, but uh, I mean, fuck it, 10-game winning streak. Uh, Sorokin's been playing very well. Everyone's playing really good right now for the New York Rangers. You kind of have to be if you're going on a 10-game winning streak. So congratulations to the New York Rangers for playing so good. All right, now we'll go to uh, just some little stories from around the league and stuff like that. The Colorado Avalanche, Valerie Nachushkin has been cleared to return from the assistance program. He's been away for a little bit and just kind of a, a very strange player over the last year or so. The disappearance in the playoff run last year, the assistance program this year, he's back. Colorado needs this guy because he is a machine when he is playing like Nishushkin can, and they're going to need him for that playoff run and not to leave halfway through because, shit, man, who knows how much further Colorado could have went last year if they just had Nishushkin stay in their lineup. So that's a big add for the Colorado Avalanche. And then the Washington Capitals, they have a pretty big loss for themselves this week. TJ Oshie went down with an injury. He is listed as week to week. Now, we talked about Washington. They're they're in a playoff hunt, you know, sort of, but not really. I mean, they can go on some win streaks and and still be out of it by by a bit. So, but losing losing Oshie, yeah, he was doing playing very well actually since his return. Pacioretty 
He's also been, he hasn't been scoring, but he has been putting up assists. Ovechkin continues to put up points. But uh, yeah, I don't think uh, Washington really is going to be in the market for a serious uh, shot at the playoffs this season. And that leads to what are they going to do at the trade deadline? Are they going to sell off anybody? I know they have some players here. So Nick Dowd, the guy that I was interested in maybe the Leafs picking up, he's on injured reserve right now. I don't think it's going to be long, long term that he could not get traded, but we'll see what's happening with that. They have Joel Edmondson, who I'm pretty interested to see if they're going to trade that guy. Rasmus Sandin has one year left, but he's a restricted free agent. I don't think he'll be going anywhere. They have Nicholas Abe-Kubel. I mean, he got, what, traded to the Leafs last season. I don't think, I mean, there might be some, a little bit of interest there, but I don't think there's going to be that much, just kind of a depth pickup. They have Max Pacioretty, who's got one year left. $2 million, is there someone that's going to be interested with that? Would maybe Carolina come knocking at that door again? They tried Max Pacioretty before, didn't work out with all the injuries, but he seems pretty healthy right now. He's got a no-movement clause, but I think if he had the opportunity to go for a playoff run, I think he would move that. And then they have Anthony Mantha, also one year left, 29 years old. He's at a $5.7 million cap hit. So, I mean, I don't think a lot of teams are going to be too interested in that cap hit, but he's a big guy. He could potentially do something in the playoffs for somebody, but uh, I haven't been hearing a lot of anything around Anthony Mantha's name. So I I don't know if uh, Washington's going to be all that active in the trade market here. I know they have Kuznetsov. He's in the player assistance program. He's been asking for a trade out of there for years. Is it finally going to happen? We'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen with the Washington Capitals. And we'll finish it off here with uh, the Chris Chelios number seven retirement ceremony that went down in Chicago this week. That was very nice for Chris Chelios. Now, I Chris Chelios was way before my time. And when I did know of Chelios, he was playing for the Red Wings. So when I think of Chris Chelios, I think of that super tan face on that white and red Detroit fucking outfit. And I'll always remember that clip when he was playing uh, in the minors. Because if you didn't know, Chris Chelios played until he was like fucking 500 years old. He, he just didn't stop playing. And even when his NHL days were done, he just continued to play in the minors. And I remember a fan just chirping at him like, Chelios, skate, you old fuck. And it was just goddamn. But Chelios, an all-time legend of the game. Apparently, he knows everybody and everybody knows him. That's great. He's got all the stories. He loves the game. That's beautiful. Raising up the, the number to the rafters in Chicago which, you know, I can't, I don't remember much about him playing in Chicago. I think he won a Stanley Cup with the Habs way back in like the 80s, question mark. But he had a really good career, man. I think three Stanley Cups, probably a fucking, uh, what do you call it? A Norris in there at some point. He had a very, very long career and is a very, very good defenseman for a very, very long time. So congratulations to Chris Chelios. And that game, by the way, was fucking nuts against uh, Detroit fucking Patrick Kane of course he scores the overtime winner in that game uh actually getting cheered by the Chicago fans how can you not with everything that Patrick Kane did for Chicago you have to you have to cheer for him it doesn't matter if he's playing for somebody else and the big celebra- celebration showtime baby and yeah so that was really cool and actually I think I want to do one more thing since uh, it's been a while since we taken a look at the stats around the league and I'll just pop in here because I know there was some minor signings and a trade so I'll just talk about it quick 
Pittsburgh Penguins acquire Emil Benstrom, trying to help out their blue line, probably isn't going to work, and Columbus acquire Alex Nylander, the other Nylander brother, and a conditional sixth-round pick. At this point, doesn't look like uh, Alex Nylander is going to make it in the NHL, which sucks because he used to get really good in some of the NHL video games. Uh, some minor signings here. Uh, Michael Rasmussen, four-year extension with a $3.2 million cap hit that could age extremely nicely. We'll see where that one goes. He's a pretty solid young player still. And then New York signed Johnny Brodzinski for two years, basically league minimum, 30-year-old, just a depth signing there. Mason Shaw signs with Minnesota, league minimum, depth signing. And yeah, so there you go. Those are all the signings and the trade. And let's take a look at the stat leaders around the league right now. Uh, see how much closer uh, Connor McDavid got to the holy shit. He is catching up fast. We got Nikita Kucherov still leading the league. He cracked 100 points uh, here in the season. I think it was 59 games. He cracked 100 points already. Insane. He beat his own record, so he is on pace to have his best season of his career. 103 points right now. In Scene. Right behind him, Nathan McKinnon, 98 points. And then Connor McDavid, everybody. He's cracked the top three. 91 points, man. Next time we talk about this, is McDavid at the top of this list? Or is Kucherov going to be able to hold on? He, he's That lead is getting smaller and smaller each time I do this. David Pasternak, 85 points. JT Miller, 81. Panarin, 79. William Nylander, 79. Austin Matthews, 77. Miko Rantanen, 76. And Leon Dreisaitl quietly putting away with 73 points. Goals leader. Well, we know who's leading this charge. It's Austin Matthews. Not even close. 52 goals already this season. Next up is Sam Reinhart. Still killing it. 39. And then we got a three-way tie. It is Zach Hyman, baby. Fucking awesome. I am so proud of you, Zach Hyman. Absolutely killing it. Goal-scoring machine for the Oilers right now. Love it. Nikita Kucherov, 38 goals. David Pasternak, 38 as well. McKinnon, 35. Besser, 34. Panarin, 33. Crosby, 32. And Jonathan Marchessault, quietly putting along another great season for him. 32 goals. Assist. McDavid leads the league. He has 70 assists. Unbelievable. Kucherov, 65. McKinnon, 63. Quinn Hughes, 58. Noah Dobson, 53 assists. Goodness gracious. JT Miller, 51. Kale McCarr, 49. Marner, 49. Hedman, 49. And William Nylander, 48 assists. Game-winning goals. It is Sam Reinhart with nine. I'm surprised Matthews is not even on this list. That is amazing. Elias Pettersson also has nine. Braden Point, Kyle Connor, eight. And then a whole bunch of people have seven. Rantanen, Aho, McKinnon, Verhege, Duchesne, and Willie Nylander. Plus minus, we're not really worried about that, are we? Gustav Forsling is leading it, though, with a plus 39. Plus our penalty minutes, we don't really care about that. But Liam O'Brien leading it with 116. Pretty good. Goalies, we got most wins is Alexander Gorgiev. He's got 31 wins already. Fucking really impressive. Same with Thatcher Demko, 31. Very, very good. Bobrovsky, Hellebuck, Stuart Skinner, Shesterkin, Soros, Markstrom, Ottinger, Vasilevsky are your other leaders. Shutouts led by Tristan Jari with six shutouts. Goddamn. Thatcher Demko, Ingram have five. Uka Pekka who's been playing excellent lately. If he was playing like that, at the beginning of the season, Buffalo might be in a playoff spot. He's got four shutouts. And then a whole bunch of guys have three. Hellebuck, Swayman, Babraski, Lindgren, Binnington, 
Erson, there you go. Goals against average. It is now led by Anthony Stahl-Lars, who probably hasn't played in that many games, but a 1.97 goals against. Impressive. Now the most impressive one, Connor Hellebuck, 2.21 with all the games he's played. Insane. His partner right behind him, Laurent Boiswat, 2.26. Aiden Hill, 2.26. And yeah, very, very nice save percentages rate, or goals against averages. Save percentage. Still led by Aiden Hill, 927. Insane. Stallers at 925. Hellebuck, 925. Swayman, 920. Boswat underneath him for some reason at 922. They're going to have to fix that one. Joey Decord, Thatcher Demko, Jonathan Quick, Joseph Wall still up there, and Sergey Babrowski. Most saves, it is still held by Ilya Sorokin, 1290 saves. Second best, Gorgiev, 1238. Shots against Sorokin, special teams. Okay, now we're not worried about any of those points right there. But holy shit, McDavid is flying up that list, y'all. What do we think? We think in another three, four weeks, is McDavid at the top of this list? Oh, fuck, he's what? I got to do some math here. What, 12 points? Is that math, I think? 12 points behind Kucherov? The dude put up like six points in one game. So I I am completely in the belief that McDavid is still in this competition. Absolutely. Looks like it's going to be a three-way race between Kucherov, McKinnon, and McDavid. And probably those three dudes right there for the heart, I would be thinking. But, you know, Matthews, if he scores 70-plus goals... He's going to have to at least get some mentions in there, right? But uh, yeah, I think that's everything I would like to talk about on this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. You're awesome. You want to be even more awesome, though, make sure you're hitting that review button or uh, hit the stars. Whatever you got to do on the listening platform that you're listening to this on really helps me and the podcast out all that great stuff. Want to be even, even, even more awesome? You can go check out the YouTube channel, Gamer GX Videos. It's where I upload all of these podcast episodes over there. You can drop a comment in the comment section, leave a question for the podcast related to wrestling, hockey, video games, just podcasting in general. It doesn't matter. Send in a question. I'd love to answer it live on the podcast for you. That would be a ton of fun. There's a Twitter page you can follow along with as well. The link is in the description. Uh, usually post up. Uh, what do you call it, plans and stuff like that for the upcoming podcast. And there is a email address there as well. If you just want to have like private conversation or anything like that, it's there for you. And there we go, everybody, in terms of what's going on this week with the GX Plus cast. Should be doing the Persona 3 Reload review for the GamerCast this week. And the WrestleCast, we got the regular recap coming up. And I think Revolution is this Sunday. So there'll be a separate pay-per-view review for that pay-per-view. And there you go, everybody. Hopefully you're having a good day. It's a muggy, nasty day here in Canada. But I am just just dandy. Just doing great. And hopefully y'all are doing great, too. And we'll be, we will, we'll be back again soon with some more GX Plus Guest.